Hello and welcome to episode 88 of Fan Fuel Motorsports Podcast. I am Alex Harrington, back after being sick for about a week. Uh, and you guys saw a really good show last week with our favorite race donkey, Matt Yost, and of course our other host, Colton Cranmore, talking all about the Chili Bowl and everything that happened in Tulsa. But this week we've got a massive show and we've got a super fan of IMSA coming on in Kyle Hall. So we're going to do a fan spotlight today, and we're also going to run down everything you need to know about the Rolex. But before that, we'll get into our new segment, Splash and Dash. And this week's Splash and Dash is going to start with Supercross. Round two was dominated by Eli Tomac yet again out in San Diego, and Malcolm Stewart uh, actually had uh, a really good weekend until the final race he won pole as well as dominating his heat but crashed out uh, early in the main event everything was pretty procedural out in san diego with that very technical track not a lot of really good passing but there was some decent racing towards the end of the main moving on to i racing having the virtual uh 24 hours of daytona this weekend it was kind of a big FU to Motorsports Games, who, if you didn't catch up with the virtual Lamar uh, stuff, uh, it was a basically a massive failure for a very professional motorsport, uh, eSport race. Uh, they wound up having 84 splits, excuse me, 85 splits with over 2,000 drivers running simultaneously, while Motorsports Games couldn't run off the Le Mans virtual by itself. And you saw Max Verstappen's meltdown. Well, we had meltdowns too. FanFuel Motorsports Esports teams qualified 30th and finished 27th in their first endurance race. However, uh, they pushed through all 24 hours despite being in the garage for over four hours after a ride height issue on our car plagued every single one of us going into the bus stop on cold tires. Uh, we... We backed her in multiple times. We'll talk about that crash a little bit later because it happened in real life this past weekend. Uh, but it was a strong running for the four of us, myself, Matt Yost, the guy that was on last week, Harry Freer, and Shane Gentry. And with that, the intro music is over, and we only have one more thing to talk about, and that's the NASCAR text in Phoenix. But our guest, Kyle Hall, wants to come in and join us for that. So, Kyle... Welcome in. We're really glad to have you here on FanFuel Motorsports. And Thanks for so having thankful me. that you came on. So, Thanks for having me, Alex. Glad to be here. It's great. We were talking before we started recording the show, and you wanted to, to hop in on this Phoenix test. You actually provided me with a lot more information than I had because I got off work at 8 this morning, so I woke up around 5 and didn't know what was going on in Phoenix. All I knew was there was a 2.5-inch spoiler on the back of those cars. Um a lot going on in Phoenix. What are you excited about? Yeah, it looked like Jimmy Johnson was even out there in his new ride, that uh, that Legacy Motorsports Club ride, and he had assistance by his buddy Casey Mears. So anxious to see. That might have been his first time in the new uh, the new car, the next gen. So, And uh, the, another rumor that came out of Phoenix was that they were actually testing some style of muffler so, to, uh, to have the cars tuned sound a little differently coming up. So... Bob Pockress even commented on his Twitter that he was looking to get a recording of that to show the viewers how different it was from last year. I'm not sure where they end up. They plan on running it if they do, but it'd be pretty neat to see what happens to that. 
So from from what I've seen, it looks like they've moved the exhaust back a little bit, which I think is another safety thing that they've done to the car. Yeah, course, with the fires. You know, you know that they did the um, the rear clip. They redesigned it uh, basically to to have a little more give after the current incident and everything. And all the drivers complaining about about uh, intros trying to play over again. Sorry about that. Um, and uh, all the all the drivers complaining about heat coming up through their seats and everything uh, with the, the way that the exhaust was. So it seems like they moved that back. So I don't know if that made them a little bit louder. <clears throat> and considering that they're racing in a city this year in Chicago. And then yeah, that was, that was mentioned in the, the comments the clash, about the Yeah. Uh, um, the clash being in L.A., it might just be something where noise regulations. Uh, maybe L.A. wasn't happy last year with – I think, I think it was on more to the Chicago road course, Alex. Uh, you bring that up, that that's one of the – they're perhaps under a noise ordinance in the big city. But we're going to find out some more information real soon about that muffler. And, um, and yeah, whatever happens out of the test coming out in Phoenix with that new car coming out with Jimmy and and uh, the whole nine yards coming up. Yeah, I'm wondering since it's not a, a super speedway test, if that means that that 84 is going to be on track more than just for the Daytona 500 this year. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I don't that they, they run all the big races too. So I like to see Jimmy. I'm I'm anxious to see how he does in the 500. Looks like he's going to be running as a open car, an open team. Yeah. So they're going to have to fight for a spot in the duels. And as of now, they're still waiting on a few entries for Elio Castro Neves. And if he lands a ride for the 500, it looks like we got 41 confirmed cars for the 500. Jimmy's one of them. Yeah. So. Five on. And five you open. could say that traditionalists would want to have the 43 cars. Back. I could say that as well. Yeah. But also having one car go home because of the duels, that sounds a little fun. It is fun. And <clears throat> I always look back to the old duels where it was uh it was a real serious event on a Thursday afternoon where you had a good eight or nine, ten cars go go home that night for the five hundred. I'm curious to see if we ever get back to those days because I am a traditionalist like that. And those were some of the funnest races of the year to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking with with the platform, the longer we get into it, it's not gonna change that much, I doubt, you know, over the next ten so years. Customer cars might actually start coming out and uh we could we could see smaller teams going for these big events. That's I'd, cool. I'd I'd love to see I'd love to see the Daytona five hundred, all the super speedways, of course, with with guys going home, and then of course your big your big races at at, at uh, Charlotte with the six hundred and, and the Southern five hundred. Um, but hey, it seems like motorsports is in a new golden age. So, and we'll we'll talk about some of that a little bit later. <clears throat> but before that, uh, we always like to bring on fans and spotlight them. Uh, so, whereas you know you would watch or listen to the Dale Jr. download and 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 have Bobby Labonte or someone on there that, that you might not know as a, as a newer fan come in and learn about the history of the sport through them. Well, fans are what make the sport what it is. So what we do here at FanFuel is we focus on you as a fan and how, you know, how your experiences have changed your fandom over the years and stuff like that. We also kind of want to say – Okay, well, who is this Kyle Hall guy? Why is he important? What is what does it matter the rest of the show? Uh, what his opinion is? Well, you are a well versed racing fan, and you've been here for a while. 
So let's go ahead and, and start from the beginning. Sure. I'm going to I'm gonna ask you the hardest question I ask everybody on this show, no matter if it's a fan or an industry member. Who is Kyle Hall? Yeah, I grew up in Daytona. So I'm still here, actually, in Volusia County. It's And we were just at the track this past weekend. But, yeah, I've lived here my whole life as a young young boy. Some of the first memories I've had has is, is actually been at Daytona Speedway on my dad's shoulders watching watching the race i'm pretty confident it was the 92 500 was uh, the first one i attended davy allison won became my favorite driver and uh, the rest is history you know we trying to go to all the local tracks here new smyrna speedway also uh, barberville which was a paved uh, quarter mile uh at, so, at one point of its history now it's dirt known as volusia speedway so they they actually used to have goodies dash series races there and I'd venture out there in the cold months and, and watch some night racing, which is really neat in the early days. But yeah, so that's the racing's kind of what drives me and keeps me motivated. And, uh, you know, we also run a family oriented powder coating business here in Daytona, uh, my dad and I. And uh, that keeps us real busy uh, throughout the week. And, you know, we have a lot of customers getting their wheels recoated, refinished. And also a big event here in Daytona is Bike Week. So we have a lot of motorcycle shops in town that do custom Harleys, custom choppers, and uh, we'll take care of their needs. And a lot of the, a lot of the motorcycle owners, they would get the chrome, black it out. And uh, luckily for us, our small business is able to help with that. So that keeps us going. We also get some neat clientele uh, based on being so close to the Speedway. This past week, we had a, a Porsche team reach out to us and needed us to sandblast 14 brake rotors in a hurry. That were still on the transporter on the way down to Daytona. That's how that's how much of a scramble they were in. And uh, last year we powder coated a, a fuel tank red for a Jacques Villeneuve's team. Okay. So that was pretty cool with us. But uh, every year I always make it a, a, a since 2004. I've been to every Rolex, haven't missed one. Camped out in the infield all weekend for the IMSA series, the Rolex 24 Hours, their season opener, and. Um, I just try to try to enjoy it as much as we can. Stay up the entire race in some cases, and it's a cool one out there, Alex. I know you've been to one or two of them. Yeah. So you just dumped a bunch of information. So we're gonna have to break most of those down in parts. Yeah. Um, so you're in Florida. You. I, I told you this before we we got on. I feel like it's the motorsports capital of of the United States because you've got every single series as at least one major event in Florida. Yeah. And um, most people, when they think Florida, they only think beaches. They think theme parks, whatever. But it's really a motorsports theme park, the entire state as well. So were you into racing just because you were in Daytona? Or how far back does racing go in your family ties? Not far back in mine, uh, Alex. That's a good question. Um my, my, my grandfather that I mentioned earlier, my dad, they, they're really not too interested in racing. Okay. Um, um, even though I credit my dad for taking me to the NASCAR track, the Daytona Speedway for my first race. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, after, after that, I've just been hooked. I, I've just been hooked and, and, um, it, it's, it's been, it's been great having the tracks, New Smyrna Speedway, Daytona so close, uh, Volusia Speedway. Um, you know, even Sebring, I've made a few Sebring 12 hour events and, uh, they're famous for the weather they're famous for a lot of the winter testing, Indy cars, IMSA. There's even been some next gen tests in there this past winter. 
And uh, so th they're active 365 days a year, Sebring Raceway. And, um, you know, we have, of course, you got the Gator Nationals, um, yeah. the NHRA in Gainesville, um, Homestead Miami Speedway down in Miami. Um, they they're always had the, the championship weekend for Ford, which was awesome. And uh, even, of course, you got our Daytona Super Speedway, which, which almost ended up down in Miami. If you look at the history of Daytona, they were targeting Fort Lauderdale or Daytona as the site to build the Daytona National Speedway. Mr. Moneypenny was the gentleman that designed the track. So it could have easily been down in Fort Lauderdale. But uh, hmm. my family ended up here in Daytona and just being the, in the proximity of the racetrack is what attracted me to the Speedway. And uh, yeah, going at a young age, those it's you, those NASCAR cars, um, the way they looked, the sponsors on them. And um, as a young boy, I was able to put that together to the diecast cars I collected also. So what kept me going is that the paint scheme stayed the same. You would see the same car on TV as you did those racing champions back in 92 and 93. So that made it a lot easier for myself to, to latch on, so to say. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. So I do have to say, uh, you've, you've probably been to way more races than, than, than I have, certainly, uh, especially when it comes to the, the types of racing. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite form of racing live? And what's your favorite memory live? Good question, Alex. Yeah, favorite. <clears throat> well, NASCAR is always going to be my first love. I'm always going to go to NASCAR. Um, yeah, my my favorite memory, my favorite memory of racing, that a race that I've been to. Yep. Wow. I would say it would have to be in 01, three days before Dale Sr. died, the, the Friday IROC race. I was there. Okay. Um, and I want to say, uh, it was Eddie Cheever that got into it with Dale senior and, uh, ran senior off the road in turn one. And I was right there, right there in front of me. And I remember seeing the dirt go up and somehow senior saved it. And uh, of course I'm wearing a Dale senior shirt right now. No coincidence, but I tell you that day I was two days before his death and one of the defining moments of his career and that little altercation he had with Eddie Cheever. And of course, after the race, everybody thought that that uh, senior was going to wring Cheever's neck as he headed right towards his IROC car and ended up giving him a, you know, a friendly, a friendly Earnhardt gesture. So that has to be in person. That has to be one that stands out. I always, and it seemed like nobody was there that day. It was a Friday. There was two races, the IROC race and the goodies dash series. So um, it was a light day in speed weeks, but, yeah, the IROC race stands out a lot. Okay. I'll have to go back and watch that. I don't, I don't oh, think I've actually oh seen that yep. race. He was yeah. in a green Firebird, uh, Dale, and she, Dale Senior was. Okay. Yeah, I'll it have to go back and watch that. It was yep. IROC was on its way out when when I was, was. watching, so uh, I never really watched too many of them. I have gone back and seen some of the ones, especially from like 80s, when they were at like Michigan and stuff, and they'd be passing each other in the – into the corner and out of the corner and that that mm -hmm. was wild but yeah i'll have to go watch that uh race that's that's probably a good homework assignment for everybody watching as well uh, but that well. that 92 <clears throat> daytona 500 was my first race and it was in the infield and i vividly remember um i vividly remember as five years old i must have been um michael waltrip crashing right in front of me in the in the number 30 penzoil car and all my life i kind of carried that moment with me that memory 
man, that 30 tons of a car. I couldn't, I was so sure enough, the days of YouTube roll around, I was able to locate that race and I was able to look cause I couldn't remember where on the track I was. And it was in turns three and four that wreck happened. And I remember Waltrip's car coming to a rest kind of right in front of me in the infield. And I was on my dad's shoulders watching that. And I could, I was able to years, decades later, connect the dots on YouTube. It was actually Michael Waltrip in that crash in 92, 500. You have, You've probably seen so much cool shit. Yeah, that was cool. And the oh, fact yeah. that I was able to go back years later was even it was even cooler and, and and see that clip. And it's totally different if you look at some of those old races on on YouTube. If some of you or your viewers get a chance to um, just the way the everything of the, everything of the whole race, just watching the driver get out of the car. Um, go on YouTube and watch Dale Senior get out of the car in the '93 Pepsi 400 after he won it. It's just, it's just, you don't see it like it is nowadays. It's just different. No complaints on my end. It's just, it's just different. Yeah. So you, you've you actually been able to see a lot of different motorsports develop as well, just being in Daytona. Yeah. Uh, you know, IMSA was not the really sports car conglomerate that it is now, you know, just 10 years ago before it and ALMS uh, merged. So, um Kind of going more towards the Rolex stuff. Um, did you go to any? Uh, uh, or you said you've been to the Rolex since two thousand four. Um, yep. When it was the Grand Am series. Yeah. Um, did you find those events more fun than what we see now today? I think uh, I would say that they're more fun now than they were back in 0304. In fact, um, I went to one Rolex with a good friend of mine by ourselves, just, uh, I think it must've been the woman that the racers group Porsche won overall. That had to have been Oh three. That was my first Rolex in person. And, and growing up in Daytona, I recall driving past the speedway in 96, 97, 98 and hearing the cars and just was fascinated with the fact that those cars were running for 24 hours. I just couldn't get it through my mind that they weren't shutting off. Those cars were not, the engines were not turning off for 24 hours. And being run, I just could not get that, you know, get that through my head. And I remember, um, I couldn't believe it. I remember living in my old neighborhood in Daytona, going outside in the middle of the night in the cold, and just to hear the cars. Yep, it's it's late at night, but sure enough, they're still running twenty four hours. Um, you know that I just I could I remember going outside and checking to see, making sure I could hear the cars. And you could you could hear the cars at all hours at the Rolex twenty four hour at night. So. Uh, I would say to answer your question, Alex, nowadays is a lot more fun. N not taken back from those early days because they were very fun. But I mean, just as, as for motorsports, IMSA, you get to see a lot. I mean, just this yeah. past weekend at the Roar, even the brand new cars, the hybrids, the, the uh, hyper cars, the GL, uh, the um, LMDHs, uh, they have a warning uh, uh, sign around them that the high voltage of the hybrid system. So that's something new this year that we haven't seen. That was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, we haven't, the Rolex is known for its harsh weather, even though we're here in Daytona, it's the last week of January. It's generally our coldest week of the year. Yeah. And we've seen Canadians cold down here in Daytona during that, during that weekend. And it's just a, it's just a brutal cold. It could get down to last year. It got down to like 28. We were camping in yeah. the infield and, uh, you underestimate how cold it gets. So it's, it's a brutal race. And, 
you know, like you said, with the history of it, it started when I was going, the Daytona prototypes were just now getting started and watching those, um, I got interested in Le Mans and ALMS in 2007, 2008. And I ended up branching off from Grand Am and going to my first uh, ALMS race, Pro Le Mans prototype race at Petit Le Mans. And one of the drawing factors of that was that Peugeot. It was they ran a single Peugeot 908 HDIFAP LMP1 car at the Petit Le Mans that year. And I, I was determined to drive up. It was an eight hour drive, but I was I made that drive to Atlanta and slept in the back of my little Dodge Dakota in a cold October Georgia morning and got yeah. up and saw a warm up and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Audi V tens, turbo diesels and um that, that Peugeot along with Lola V eights, Lola Judge, single turbos. I mean every car had a different music note. That and, was uh, it's beautiful. That was the really that was the really, I guess, defining years of sports car racing prior to where we are now in 2023. I remember yeah. that's that's when I got into it watching Lamar on TV with the the, the Audi TDIs were were something just crazy to me. They were. And then like yeah. you said the Peugeot, that was the first uh uh that was the first uh time that they put cockpits on the LMP cars. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, they were open cockpits. So that was, yeah, that was they had an option <clears throat> to. They had an option to build a closed or an open cockpit car at that time yeah and so seeing seeing everything from then and now i mean we're going slower a lot slower now than those cars but like you said i feel like the racing is just better now than it has yeah. ever been so that's yeah. that's pretty neat so um i guess let, let's let's continue this daytona trend uh sure that's where you are um i talked about supercross a little bit earlier you guys yeah. have bike week every every year. Right. Um, and that and that's supercross events right in the middle of bike week. And right. We can latch on like we were saying, uh, you know, that's their biggest event to I understand is supercross to Daytona. You want to win that event just like you want to win the Daytona five hundred or the Rolex twenty four hour uh cart week. If you look into cart week in December here yeah. in Daytona, their biggest event is that cart week national championship weekend. So yeah, Supercross, uh, Eli Tomac and and those guys. Uh, Chad Reed one year in the rain got stuck and it was a pouring rain race. Yeah, there's some legendary races that come out of that Daytona Supercross. Yeah. Um, so how is Bike Week? Um, I, I've heard a lot of people uh, uh, for Panama City Bike Week talk about how much of a nuisance this is, just like for them spring break is with college kids and stuff. Is that how you feel? Obviously, you get business from it. Being yeah, we're in the we're, powder cut stuff. Yeah, but as a it, resident, does it annoy you having all those bikes there for oh, for it, basically two weeks long? We've had mayors of Daytona. I mean, it's an ongoing topic, Alex. The you know, in the '90s and early 2000s, there was definitely a rumble around town. There were so many Harleys in town; it was unbelievable. I will say that it's more spread out nowadays. It's more if it's the same amount of people in town, you wouldn't tell by looking. They're more spread out. Um, there, there's some areas that aren't as popular as others for <coughs> gathering places, bars, but, uh, man, Daytona bike week. Yeah. I've been, I've been every year. It's the third, second, second weekend in, in March. And, um, the residents here have had a, a love, hate relationship with the bikers. Cause you got your business owners where it attracts business to such as myself. Then you've got some people that are looking to retire that don't like the noise. It is very loud. And uh, they complain. So we've even had mayors come in 
uh, and uh, and campaign on quieting the riders for bike week. And uh, suddenly you, you would see signs, ride quietly, please, around town that would pop up right before a certain bike week. Uh, you know, so, yeah, they have the residents here have a love hate relationship with the bikers. But I want to change it for for anything in the world. It's a great Daytona tradition. Um, it's going to continue for years to come. Two weekends. Um, there's traditions all over the place with bike week. They do a burning bike where they literally build a wooden skeleton riding a Harley bigger, big as you can imagine, bigger than three, four Greyhound buses. And they, in the last Saturday of bike week, they draw it out to a field in Deland, Florida, and they light the thing on fire. Huh. And it's a tradition. It's started the, it's going for about six or seven years now. So that's cool to see new traditions come into a, festival such as bike week that's been here for 70 some years you know such as that burning bike event um and and yeah they're spread they've built ross meyer destination daytona that's ormond beach they've attracted them more out there they've eliminated some of the main attraction down beach street in daytona um with with so there's really not much going on in beach street they used to have a lot of vendors and so on and so forth they still have the traditional cabbage patch that's known world famous for their coastal wrestling i've never been to that as, as much as I hate to say it, I've never been to the coleslaw wrestling at the Cabbage Patch, but uh, you know, and in New Smyrna's got some great attractions too for the for Bike Week, and yeah, the, you've you've even talked to some of the bikers that come down. They they go to Orlando, they go to Tampa, they go to Gainesville, they go to um, you know St. Augustine while they're here. So it's you'll see them around the whole state. Yeah, well, that's uh, tourism is is Florida's biggest, you know, economic gain that they have. So I don't, I, I understand when people come in uh, into somewhere and they're living somewhere and they don't want to be bothered, but it bothers me more that people come into places, uh, particularly around our short tracks here, uh, you know, in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. And then they complain that they, they moved by a racetrack and there's, there's, there's noise on Saturday night. Well, if you move yeah. to Daytona, there's spring break and there's bike week every year. You you can't get mad because you move somewhere where there's going to be people certain times of the year. You know that's right. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah, it's frustrating. I'm yeah. sure. It it and uh, you know as time goes on, yeah, you, you they, you've heard the airport complaints, haven't we? I mean, we we have heard those here too. So yeah, Alex. So hopefully, it's been smooth the past couple three years. But the, the crowd, the crowd definitely, definitely takes it down to a whole new level. Yeah. All right. Well, we've gotten through pretty much most of the disciplines of racing. Yes, sir. Uh, I do want to get into more of you. Um, as race fans, we tend to have problems, and that is uh, we like to spend money doing different hobbies that align with racing. Yes. Whether that's racing in a big car ourselves, collecting die casts, collecting memorabilia, uh, or or just simply going and camping out at races. Our pockets are always burning because our wallets are ready to be spending money. Um, what did you spend your money on as a fan? Now, I know you've got some hobbies that, that I know, but you know, how did you get into some stuff um, and how we got connected through my dad? Uh, I'll let you start with that. Right, Alex. Yeah. So slot racing, slot car racing um, came has been a longtime hobby of mine. Um, you know, there they, there's a track here in Daytona 
and they got pretty competitive and and you know we and me and some friends went up there we'd actually have tackle boxes full of a little they're 24 scale slot cars and we'd we'd go up there as young kids and and race the local and the next thing we know we're running state races around the state series around the state of florida and the next thing you know we're going to philadelphia and for a national event and at a hotel in philadelphia they actually rented the ballroom out and set the track up in the inside and that's where i met your dad in oh oh seven at the philly now yeah they didn't take me up there because i had school mm-hmm. otherwise <laughs> you know you got to keep those grades up too alex but yeah, yeah. i know what you mean and that, uh, that's where <laughs> i met your dad was in 07 and and he was a rival georgia driver and we ended up racing in a lot of the same classes we're running a lot top two couple positions so you build that camaraderie with with your dad and and it was fun and uh it lasted all the way to this day so He's actually come down here and and uh, stayed stayed right there in my other bedroom here in the house. And he, he's uh, every night he went to Volusia for the dirt track race in here for Speed Weeks and, and Volusia Speedway. And uh, and uh, yeah, so so and then even your dad's uh, map business. He, I've taken a couple of sets of mats to to some drivers here that needed a last minute sponsor added to their mat for their hauler. So okay. that was really cool. And I had your dad ran up to a to a driver last year for him, but but yeah, I've, I've definitely done a lot of slot car racing. Just last year, I went to New Jersey for a national event in the Retro Series. Okay, I'm not as involved as I used to be or as I should be, but it's it's a heck of a hobby. Every time I come back for a one off race, it that all the all the co drivers there, all the drivers they 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 welcome me in like I never left, and we're just as competitive. And hopefully, we'll see your dad at another track soon, but. That was one hobby that we did. Um, you know, looking back, it wasn't as expensive as my other one. I did go-kart race and dirt race oh. dirt go-karts in the southeast of Florida in Georgia, but mainly in Florida. We were in the state series with the same friend of mine that we did the slot car racing with. And that was from 2013 to 2018. So a good five years I ran in the super heavy division here in Florida. And that was a lot of time and energy and it was worth every every bit of it, every penny, for sure. And, I'll, and I and I to change it for a thing, but yeah, I do miss it. They just had the nationals here in Daytona for part week, um, for the, uh, the limestone track right outside of Daytona National Speedway. And I got to go hang out. You always catch the bug. I always get bit by the bug when you set foot on the track. And next thing you know, we're talking about how we're going to get ourselves back on track. But yeah, that's that's it, Alex. Uh, two big hobbies there: go kart racing and slot car racing. And you meet some really great people. If you know a lot of the people say that I've raced with, if, if you love racing, you're cool with me. So that falls with me for sure. Is is that 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 uh, that atmosphere of being a race fan? Yeah. Well, we all we all get bit by that bug and have to spend money yeah. doing something. You want to that comes the competitive spirit, uh, I guess, of race fans. Uh, they just they see what's on the track. They got it. They got to have some of that too. I know slot car racing is not nearly what it used to be. Uh, I don't. I couldn't even think of the nearest slot car track to us. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, even yeah. your your grandfather and grandma didn't they own a slot car track? Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, I went okay. to it. Yeah, uh, they had a national event there in 07. Yeah, yeah, I won some championships there, so I guess I can say I'm national championship too. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 something that it seems like a lifetime ago for me. Doesn't it? Yeah, for me yeah. too, actually, yeah. Alex, for so, sure. I mean, it's very interesting how time works when you look back retrospectively at uh, different points of your life. Uh, for me, 
it's, you know, kid racing slot cars and then growing up being on the flag stand with my dad. And now I'm, I'm sitting here doing a podcast with, with a couple of my friends and getting fans like you to come on and tell your story. So it's very interesting. I'm sure you've had that same sort of retrospective thoughts. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just going too deep. No, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it seems like the, the older you get, the faster it goes, you know? Yeah. And bringing your dad into it is a flagman. Your dad's a flagman at Sanoa Speedway in Georgia, dirt track. And and he uh, went to his first 500, I think it was two years ago when uh, it got rained out. He saw the first couple dozen yeah. laps. Your dad had to go home, catch his flight. And we, the race ran later that uh, Monday night, I believe. But um, the people that sat down right in front of us at the Daytona 500 had Sanoa Speedway shirts on. Huh. Okay. And your dad's sitting in the row behind. What are the odds of them sitting in front of your dad, who's the flag man at Sonoma Speedway? Uh, you know, at the Daytona 500. That's so wild. That, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I remember that's that wild. detail. Yeah. Well, you and I have raced a little bit as well together. Yes. Um, you another hobby. run yes. on another hobby. Yes. Uh, on iRacing, you run the uh, All American Arca series. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we got our. We're going into our fifth season and virtual racing here. Uh, we run Friday nights. Um, myself and a co-driver, uh, Casey Carrington. He runs most of the day-to-day -day <laughs> operations of it. But uh, yeah, we have an All American Arca series. There's, it's on iRacing. We try to mimic um, as close to Arca as it's as it used to be in the mid 2000s. Large fields, Arca traditional tracks and ARCA traditional length races, and it's even broadcasted on YouTube. So we have a live YouTube broadcast of the virtual race. It fools people all the time. It looks so real. It looks, the virtual, it looks so real. You think you're watching a real race. It takes some people some a few minutes to, to realize that they're not watching a real race. It's virtual, digital. But uh, I tell you, it's uh, we have uh, great participation, no fast repairs, um, the cautions, the racing as the seasons went on, it's has cleaned up. A lot of the drivers renew and return for the for the from season to season. And last year we had, I think it was around eighty four different drivers participate in at least one race. But we averaged well thirty cars every race, so we had twelve to fourteen races starting at Daytona. We're biased, so the, there's there's two super speedways in there, Daytona and Talladega. You got a lot of your intermediate tracks along our schedule, Kentucky. Vegas. There's even one at Twin Rig Motegi. We have one road course race. It's road course race at Sonoma this year on our schedule. So okay. we keep points are updated immediately after the race, and uh, all week long we banter in Discord from one week to the next. And it's great, Alex. You were a part of it, and we love it. I mean, so Friday nights, eight thirty Eastern, uh, starting here coming up in the February. We're going to be starting season five coming up real soon. Yeah. So we'll get you some details on that. Yeah, well, look forward to seeing some of that. Uh, my current work schedule has me to where I can't really run any leagues or anything because I, I can't have it's tough because I'm on yeah, off on off every other week. So it's tough. Uh, it really is. You see that with other drivers in the league. One <clears throat> week they'll be in, one week they'll be out. But yeah, for the most part, everyone seems pretty engaged. And yeah, it's day to day. Uh, you know, we check to we'll see if the pushing the start times back. Right now, we're starting at eight thirty Eastern green flag so that's pretty that's pretty late for an i race on yeah. a weeknight it is friday night uh but yeah i mean i tell you it's uh 
it's uh it's competitive it's hard to win a race i'm uh, yeah. i'm I hate to say but i haven't won a race yet in, in our league so i'm good 50 some races in still haven't won a race so yeah. my goal is to do that this year and i want to lead some laps too i've done that in previous seasons here and there but not nothing consistent so you got to start leading laps you got to start running finishing in the top tens top fives and and uh it's great we have race control uh, joseph is our race control and uh, we try to be very organized, try to keep the banter down during the race, the radio chatter during the race. Um, you know, a lot of people have their opinions on how leagues should be run, but ours is, is pretty streamlined. And we like to think it runs its own just by people showing up on time every week and uh, putting yeah. on a good show. And and uh, we've had some almost some caution free races, one or two cautions happen at some intermediate tracks last year. So. Yeah, we'll hope Daytona starts off with a bang and we get a nice, nice, clean race with a lot of side-by-side, three-wide racing coming up in, in yeah. February 20th. Well, I will say this. Sim racing, although it's pretty, pretty, uh, I guess, pretty decent investment to get started, it is probably the cheapest way to go racing. Um, it is, yeah. And it's the easiest as well. And you can get connected with so many people across the world in so many different disciplines, especially on the iRacing platform. So if you're not doing it, and you're thinking about it, do it. <laughs> in our ARCA it's going to be a big have, money sink, but come on. In our ARCA League, we have a driver from UK and Australia, two oh. international drivers at least. Yeah. 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 And, and if you're not into oval racing, there's there's dirt, there's rallycross, there's there's Formula One, all kinds of stuff. So Formula cars, yeah. Street yeah. stocks, late models, super late models. They're introducing new cars all the time. All right, well, that is pretty much all that I can think to ask you about you. Is there anything else that we need to know about Kyle Hall before we move into this year's Rolex 24? Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I appreciate you guys, uh, uh, the interest and, and, uh, and the love of racing, and that's kind of what brought us together. So, so yeah, I'm just going to continue, just continue – Keep an eye on NASCAR, IMSA, and all those different racing disciplines, and uh, and keep on running our small business here in Daytona, and keep making sure everybody's happy and gets their parts on time, and and to go through all of our day to day challenges we have, and it's it's a, it's a good time to be down here for sure, Alex. All right. Well, with that being said, it is time to get into what you told me was your bread and butter, and that is sports car racing this weekend. We had the roar before the 24. We saw qualifying. Uh, we saw two VP Challenge races. You were there. Um, what can you tell everybody about the fan experience between even these both weekends, the roar before the 24 and the Rolex 24 weekend itself? Yeah, it's it's changed with COVID. It used to be <clears throat> the first couple of days of January, we would have the roar. The teams would go home for three weeks, work on the cars. Sometimes the cars wouldn't even be wrapped, and they would bring them back for the race, and it would be a whole nother unveil out of the trailers. But this year, since COVID has passed, the to keep the travel down, they they had the roar test the week before the race. The cars do not go back home to their shops; they stay here in Daytona all week long. And uh, the yeah, the the roar is uh, it's every year people comment on how crowded it is and that was the case this year again they do scout days a lot of the boy scouts are camped out in the infield some of the rvers are already in town we've already parked our rv in the infield 
and we're ready to go. And uh, so the roar gave us a chance to get get sorted, get in early, um, see the cars, see the brand new cars too, the GTPs, the LMDHs, uh, uh, some of the IndyCar drivers, the NASCAR drivers that are participating. It really is the the reunion, so to say, of, of drivers. at the, And you get to see that at the roar <clears throat> play out right in front of you. Um, it gives you an idea what the race is going to look like. We get an eye on timing and scoring. You'll see a lot of people on their phones and iPads throughout the week. Keep an eye on timing and scoring and different storylines throughout. Um, that We had qualifying that already took place this past Sunday. And we have the Acuras on pole, the Tom Blomquist and the number 60. Michael Shank race and Acura LMDH put it on pole, which was only six tenths of a second off of the track record. Okay, that was set uh, by the Mazda, Oliver Jarvis, in 2019. So already these new cars, they will evolve. They will get faster as the years go on. It's the very first year of the of the platform. So these the track record might very well go down <coughs> next year in qualifying. But uh, and, and you also have the production-based ranks, GT cars. Uh, we have a brand-new Ferrari, a brand-new uh, Porsche. Um, there's seven Porsches in the race. I want to say, um, and they're actually on the the back heel. They they're they're lobbying for a BOP change, a balance of performance change. They feel that their car's at a disadvantage from the roar going into the Rolex. So we're going to see if that they do get a break. Ems I'm sure is reviewing the data from the roar to make it a nice, <clears throat> fair, competitive race. And uh, we have the new cars, LMP3 class. This should be the last year of the LMP3 class. There's nine cars racing, um, and uh, you know they have a lot of entering entry level uh, bronze rated drivers, silver rated drivers that are trying to break into the sports car scene. So you will see some new names and some old names in the LMP3 series class, and uh, of course you got the GT Daytona Pro. That is going to be the show alongside Hypercar, of course. But I tell you, there's going to be nine cars. And they're all a different manufacturer, a Corvette, a single Corvette, a single Mercedes and the WeatherTech Mercedes, a harder racing Aston Martin. Um, you have the the Plaid uh, Plath Porsche, the one that won yet last year. So the pro class, one, it's very diverse, one car per each manufacturer, essentially. <coughs> Turner BMW moved up. They have two cars. They moved up one car into the top pro class. To, so it's, yeah, we're going to get to see some attrition happen in the gt daytona ranks and then we're going to get to see how whoever in the pro class it's going to be a 24-hour sprint so whoever has the least amount of time on pit road should be up front in that in that pro class race so and of course gtp they're a new car they're uh they're a little concerned of reliability that comes along with new cars make it at the entire 24-hour and on average the i'm pretty sure that it's a good uh several seconds quicker um, GTPs over LMP2s. Uh, the P2 car field feels that they were slowed a little too much and they need to have another second, up to two seconds given back to them. So like the Porsches and GT Daytona, we're keeping an eye to see if LMP2 gets a performance break to get closer to the GTP cars and that will eliminate clashes with LMP3. So there's a lot going on in those five classes, Alex, trying to keep them all balanced and 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 the time separate from each class. It's a tough job. Yeah. So you went through a, a lot there, um, uh, and there's a lot to break down within each point that you made. Um, yeah. First and foremost, we saw qualifying 15-minute uh, sessions 
20 minutes for the GTP cars, um, what have you. Um, something that was really not expected was we saw Nick Tandy crash in the bus stop. Um, yes. So that was definitely something that you didn't want to see uh, for Porsche and Penske uh, racing. Um, they're going to have to basically rebuild the whole nose of that car. Um, do you think that's a, a big setback, despite the fact that Porsche has the most miles and the most testing on their car? It is a big setback because uh, you you keep on hearing the supply chain issues happening, and that's getting parts for these new cars. And so they may have the manpower to do it, and uh, but uh, it may not be in their control. But I'm pretty sure they at least have one set of spares that Multimatic Porsche has built up. Um, and they've actually sold some customer cars to privateer teams like JDC Miller Racing, like Proton Competition in Europe, that those cars aren't ready yet. Um, they're yeah. not here at the Rolex. So it's evident that in the Porsche camp, they already have a shortage of, of parts. But I haven't heard anything of them struggling at this point. Everything should be fine for race week. They should have a new nose, a new front end. If all carbon fiber ready to bolt back right onto that car, clip right back on. And um, if any team can overcome that, it's going to be Penske Porsche for sure. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that uh, it is a setback for them, but I know they're in scramble mode right now to get the spares ready for the Rolex because if they have another incident again, they'll be in real trouble. Right. And and you mentioned it a bunch, uh, the GTPs, these hypercars. <clears throat> I kind of want to break down a little bit of how this kind of homogulation I'll say, of, of rule sets has come to pass. Um, so we used to see the DPI cars. Uh, they were uh, supposedly a bit quicker than these cars were supposed to be this year. Um, definitely lighter, shorter, um, <clears throat> and didn't have the electrification. But with the push for hybridization in all motorsports, um, you know, and biofuels, electrif electrification, uh, like with Formula E and stuff, the WEC and IMSA came together and kind of made something to where they wanted to see if we could put American teams at Le Mans and European teams at Daytona. We haven't really seen that come to fruition yet. That crossover, but, yeah. But the crossover is looking to happen as early as next year. Um, I think so. So yeah. let's go. Let's go through some of these teams. Do you want to go over the European teams or the American teams first? Uh, let's let's go with European WEC teams. Okay. And the hypercar so, class. Yeah. So currently in the hypercar class, we've got Toyota, Peugeot, Ferrari, Porsche, and Van Wall, and then the Glickenhaus is also there, but it's not a hybrid. So. Um, already that's way more cars than we've had at Le Mans in the top class for the last several years. I think the max that I've seen is six. Um, and right now we're looking at 13 this coming year. Um, and then BM, uh, excuse me, not BMW, Cadillac is sending some American teams over there. So is there any team that you wanted to, uh, talk about from <clears throat> the European ranks? Yeah, um, and all those teams, you all those those are manufacturers, Alex, and they've all you and they all have two two cars at least, ex except for Van Wall, except for Glickenhaus, and uh, there's yeah, Van Wall is used as the Bicolis operation, but 
I mean, you just mentioned Ferrari, um, Porsche. You have uh, the the Peugeots that they are. They all have. They have all built brand new cars for this rule set, and uh, they're 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 going to be racing at Le Mans for the first time. The, the Ferraris um, the, and the WEC Round One is going to be at Sebring. So, a matter of fact, these cars, the first wheels they're going to turn competitively, will be on American soil at Sebring for the eight hours of Sebring the day before the twelve hours of Sebring, right, right. and and uh, yeah, you got. Two two Ferraris, two P Penske Porsches. Um, you got at least one Cadillac from Ganassi that's running it, right, and right. that that single WEC Cadillac is racing here at IMSA. So uh, the big benefit of the new rule set is that the same car can, in theory, be raced at the twenty four hours of Daytona in the top class and win overall. And it can, and you can take that same car and bring it to Le Mans twenty four hours in France and go for overall. That hasn't been the case. For decades, you would have right. to have a different car. You would <clears throat> LMP1, Grand Am, Daytona prototype. There was always some hurdle to get through, and it just wasn't unified. So with that being said, they've worked a good four or five years behind the scenes to get to this point, to get to the point of the Rolex here th this year. Unfortunately, for this year, 2023, those Ferraris, the Peugeots, they're not quite ready to race at the Rolex in Daytona as a one-off event that their car right. is eligible for. So next year, I, I suspect we're going to see that. I really want to see that Ferrari. I know I'm going to get to see it in a couple of months at Sebring, but I really want to see it at Daytona with the Toyotas. Wouldn't that be cool? <clears throat> the, 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 the stalwarts that have been, that have not left WEC that have been loyal since they've entered in 2012. Right. And uh, yeah, now they got some competition. Those Toyotas, they, they had a couple of rough years running against basically just themselves. But they were showcasing very impressive technology <clears throat> that eventually made its way back to the road-going cars they produced at Toyota. So at the end of the day, that's what all endurance racing is about. That's what 24-hour racing is about. That's what has attracted me to it. Um, a lot of our regular items that we use on our road-going cars, on your car and my car, every day have origins at Le Mans from, from these cars. These are actual prototypes. They call them a prototype for a reason. And that means that this it's a it's a new technology under development. So, yeah, the um, windshield wipers, um, uh, headlights for for running at night, power steering, a lot of these basic functions that we use on a day to day basis, they, their origins have go back to, to to the automotive manufacturer developing that to race a car twenty four hours at Le Mans, and that's still the case to this day with these hypercars going electric. You know, you've you've heard the past year or two, everybody getting getting all up in arms about being forced to electric vehicles. Well, myself and a lot of other people who love racing, we just looked at the WEC in 2014, in 2015, um, Porsche, Audi, and and Toyota. They were running uh, hy hybrids at that point in time, right. battery operated, flywheel. They had different they had different attacks, different approaches to the same rule book. So we knew it was coming as, as, as long as uh, eight years ago. So it's no surprise to me that we're now here at Daytona running these hybrids. And uh, they will eventually, the technology is being tested in, in racing and will make its way to our road-going cars that we drive. Right. Data, and data. speaking of Toyota, who's been doing it for the longest, yeah. Um, if you go to a dealership and you go to get, uh, I think it's the RAV4, they have a hybrid RAV4 that gets 98 miles to the gallon. An SUV that gets 98 miles to the gallon. 
So uh, we lost Kyle there for a second. He'll probably be back. So road relevancy is something that is a must for manufacturers to get into sports car racing. <clears throat> and it helps all of us out, just like Kyle was saying. So when I look at some of this stuff, I'm like, okay, uh, I hear complaints from old fans, old heads talking about, oh, well, we're losing the GT stuff. We're losing this. We're losing that. We're getting this. And, and then so whatever. Um, but we have not seen this much manufacturer support for sports car racing in probably the last 10 years. Kyle alluded to it. We had just a few cars, <clears throat> even down just to Toyota, running two or three cars at Le Mans for a couple of years. And we really thought that the World Endurance Championship that started in 2012 would might not make it just based off of top class not really being there. But now it's back. We're going to have 15 cars at Le Mans. We talked about who was going to be there. But we're going to have more coming up next year. So BMW is looking at taking their LMDH to Le Mans next year. Um, Lamborghini is looking to come on next year in both IMSA and WEC competition. So we can we could probably have a decent size uh, Formula One grid uh, worth of the, uh, these hybrid cars, <clears throat> and that's something that's very interesting um, to me because I've never seen that many cars <clears throat> in the top tier of a motorsport, uh, whether it be ALMS, uh, IMSA, Grand Am Series. Um, WEC or ELMS uh, or, a, or Asian Le Mans series. Um, so sports car racing tends to have six to eight cars in the top ranks. And now we're looking at potentially having, you know, closer to 20 uh, at Le Mans. Uh, so that's really interesting. Um, I'm hoping Kyle will get back here shortly. Um, but until then, um, I guess I can <clears> – <throat> go over some stuff. Um, I'm looking at some of these cars here. It's just, it's, it's amazing to see just how many teams are going to be here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 12 different teams running either in WEC or, or IMSA. And with the news that Andretti Autosport buying into Wayne Taylor racing and potentially having a second Acura, that means we could get three Acuras on grid for next season. <clears throat> and and that, that would be very um, good. I'm assuming that Kyle's phone died, so I'm trying to fill the air to get him back on. <clears throat> But I'm I'm struggling myself here um, with congestion and everything, so I apologize for all the noise that I'm making. Um, like I said, I was sick for probably a couple weeks. <coughs> the one thing that we were going to do left was take a look at the spotter guide for this weekend's racing. Um, we're going to have a couple races. They'll have the Porsche Cup. They'll have... the um, pilot challenge races and everything else. But um, 
I really wanted to go over that with with Kyle because this is uh, more of his passion than it is for me. I just like it because I like racing. Um, and I'm not necessarily 100% into everything just as much as he is. So hopefully we'll get him back up. But uh, within that, there um, other points that we wanted to get to were the GT Daytona um, and GT Daytona Pro balance of power discussion. In 2022, <clears throat> they eliminated the GT Le Mans, which is the pro side of GT Daytona cars, which were GTE. Uh, and they took that from being a separate class that was faster than the regular GTs to a class that was homogulous, just having pro drivers into it. Uh, and Kyle is back. So I'm talking about the GT. GTE cars that we no longer see um, being, you know, a homogenous class as GT Daytona. Um, there's a lot of complaints from people because you've got two of the same, basically the same cars racing each other with no real manufacturer support because of the platform. <clears throat> I'm assuming they did that because they were moving to the hyper cars in the upper class, but. Yep. Does it bother you that we've got cars that are intermingled? We saw all last year there were there were GTD cars uh, that were beating you know two three four GTD Pro cars throughout all the ten races. It doesn't bother me. I I and, and that happened again at the Roar this weekend where you saw for qualifying three of the top four three of the three were the technically the amateur class right GT Daytona but they have their pro driver in there. And the fourth, what they were all Mercedes, by the way, and uh, but I I thought it would, but it, it really doesn't. It would bother me if they were different specs, if they were different a spec of cars, but these are all identical, and the only thing that's different is the drivers. In theory, the only the only de deciding factor between the two classes is the drivers, Alex. So, so no, it doesn't. I think it's kind of a little unique element to the racing this year. And uh, it did happen twice last year where GT Daytona uh, class car beat the pro right. drivers, which is saying something because those pro guys are fast. So with that, 2024, they're coming out with new regulations for GT3 cars. Um, they're going to be basically souped up GT3s um, <coughs> with a little bit more manufacturer support. Yes. Uh, Corvette is going to have uh, two entries next year. Mustang is coming back, Mustang. having two entries next year. Um, so this two-year gap where we've got these cars like this, where we're not having manufacturer support, that goes out the window next year. My question to you is, though, with Lamborghini um, and I believe uh, – no, it's, yeah, Lamborghini and then uh, the Wayne Taylor Racing ex expanding in the GTP class. You're you're looking at potentially three more. You've got the uh, JDC Racing for <clears throat> potentially a third Porsche next year. Yes, that's that's confirmed. Even later this year. Um, how is that going to change who we see on the grid next year? Because we're going to have even more GT cars. I know we're 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 losing. 
LMP3, but <coughs> how is that going <coughs> to – sorry. No problem. How is that going to change the grid in GT? Are we going to see people get get – you know, bumped off of the uh, starting grid because they can't, they can't make it to this 61 grid race. Uh, <clears throat> like this year we had 70 plus entries. Um, and that's awesome. There's a reserve list like Le Mans <coughs> the Le Mans has, they have a reserve list, Alex. And there's some controversy where, uh, you know, one of, out of the pros an accurate was left on that reserve list this year, the KCMG, they ran a Porsche last year. They're out of Taiwan. They uh, they were left on the reserve list this year because they did not elect to run a full IMSA. They did not elect to run the Michelin Endurance Cup, which is the four-race championship. Um, so they, if you enter those two championships, you get priority in your Rolex entry. So since KCMG only entered as a one-off at the Rolex, unfortunately, they were left out on the on the entry list, and that hurts. So... That's a very high quality team that that was left out. You don't see that in NASCAR, but yeah, you you definitely it's gonna the, the elimination LMP3 will help on the grid space, but IMSA is gonna make the wise decision. They're gonna have a selection committee. They're going to uh, make the right decisions on who deserves to be on the grid, who doesn't. And by the way, there is a manufacturer's fee that you have to pay right. to be on the grid. And IMSA, and IMSA is pretty firm on that. And a boutique manufacturer that you mentioned earlier, Glickenhaus, well, they're not on the Rolex entry list because they do not produce X amount of cars to satisfy and and that uh, that entry fee, which is rumored to be about a million dollars. So it doesn't make sense for a small boutique manufacturer like Glickenhaus to pay that to get on the grid, whereas uh, Ferrari and Porsche and they all have their advertising budget to do so. Now, the interesting thing would be next year that I mentioned about the hypercars is if Peugeot comes over from, from Europe, are they going to have to pay that fee? Um, they don't sell cars here in the United States. It may not work for them. They may bypass the Rolex because of that. Right. So there's a lot of deciding factors. But a company like Toyota, I hope that they do pay that fee because I would love to see their hypercar race the Rolex next year against the Penske Porsches against that JDC Miller Porsche that should be on the grid next year, uh, Cadillac, so on, Lambo, uh, which is uh, their Iron Links is going to be the running the Lambo yeah. factory program. So, man, it goes on and on. It's fun. And uh, you can see that the WEC on the other side of the pond, they've already made those changes. They've already, they're taught, they're, they've already eliminated the GT Pro class. Now they just have GTM. And there's talks that they might eliminate LMP2 next year to create room for these hyper or the following year. Excuse me. They've already released the entry list for 2023 this year coming up. So we got a lot of deciding factors to see what happens. All right. Um. Well, I'm going to go uh, get myself some water and stuff. I can still hear you. <clears throat> Everybody else can still hear you. Um. If you would like, could you uh, let's yeah. start? Let's start looking at the uh, spotter guide. Um. The smallest class, LMP3, I think that's a good place to start. Um, so kind of give some people some pointers on who to watch for and everything like that. And then I'll be I'll be uh, right back as soon as I can um, to, 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 to help get through some of these other classes like LMP2, uh, GTP Pro. Uh, and uh, Yeah, LMP2 is probably one of my favorite classes. So, yeah, LMP3. No problem, Alex. We'll start with LMP3. And you got the Riley Motorsports and their Ligier. 
you have uh, several Duqueen uh, LMP3 cars on the grid. Uh, you have um, uh, and a couple of a uh, couple of driver changes. James James French was able to get into the number forty three um, LMP3 car. They had a driver that was complaining of uh, visibility issues in his car, so it was a bronze rated driver. So they were able to get James French in the car for the Rolex. That's going to be an interesting tidbit. They seem fast at 43 car, but I, when I was at the Roar this past week and I saw them off on at least two or three different occasions, they had an off-track excursion. So we'll take an eye on, keep an eye on those guys. And you have the Sean Creech Motorsports. This is their second year in the Rolex, and uh, they finished second last year. So they're in a little hungry for a win. That's got Joao Barbosa. Uh, is one of their uh, headlining drivers, and it's going to be a good time on the LMP3 class to see who's going to emerge and take that Rolex. You also have uh, a defending winner of the, if you want to say the LMPC class, JDC Miller Racing. They're running uh, LMP3 as they wait on their Porsche that they've ordered for Hypercar. So that is a very stout, experienced team. It seems like they're running a lot of new silver-rated drivers that are trying to get their feet wet in sports car racing and and um, burst onto the IMSA scene. So there's nine cars there in that LMP3 class. And uh, let's see if they stay out of trouble and and make it to the end of the race. We're going to, as, as Alex comes back here, uh, the LMP3, the attrition rate is, is, you know, these cars have been through a couple of 24-hour races now. They should easily make it to the finish. The goal is, is just to keep your nose clean throughout the entire night and try to make it to the finish with as little time on pit road, as little time in the garage as possible. And uh, teams like JDC Miller, like Sean Creech, like, like uh, Gar Robinson's Riley Motorsports team. Um, they're, they're, they're experienced. They got some good experience in these long distance races. So they're going to be a factor. Um, it's the question is, is to see if some of these newer teams like that 43 um, and the AWA uh, Amazon racing team, if they come in with their two Duquins, how competitive they're going to be. So, so you got the four yeah. main teams and the new ones are going to come in too. For me, the, uh, the 36 of the Andretti Autosport. <clears throat> um, Jared Andretti. I'm, yep. I'm looking at that. Uh, just because they just started their merger with Wayne, uh, Wayne Taylor racing. So they're going to have a little bit more, I guess, engineering and, um, yep. experience from that side of things. So they could be someone that's a dark horse to, to win that class. But my question is, there's rumor that they're going to have two cars next year in the GDP <clears throat> um, class. <coughs> Man. Um, with Wayne Taylor Racing. So I'm wondering if that 36 car is going to become that second car or if they're still going to uh, compete in the LMP3 program that eventually comes out next year. Um, Cause I'm not really sure where these cars are going, if they're not going to be in the main show. <clears throat> and that was uh, what team again, Alex? Uh, Wayne Taylor racing. This was uh, announced Saturday at the roar. There's a tidbit on that. I, I learned on the, the podcast with Graham Goodwin and Marshall Pruitt, the daily, one of the, the sports car racing <clears throat> podcasts that I listened to. And they don't expect them to be in 2025. Uh, to have a car it's possible wow. that in fact uh they're gonna they're looking they've announced an entry not an entry they've announced an intention to go to le mans next year with uh with andretti with wayne taylor 
They're running an Acura here in the United States. They need to clear that with Honda because, as we all know, Acura does not sell cars in France and Europe. So they would have to run under the Honda banner banner in Europe. And that's going to that's going to take some working on behind the scenes to make happen. But I know that they're willing and able to do so. But that okay. Andretti Autosport link-up is very interesting. Andretti Autosport has announced, has not made it a secret that they want to participate in IMSA in a prototype. They've got history of that in ALMS when they ran Marco and, and the Acura team yeah. even back in the LMP2 days. I was fortunate enough to see that car at the, the Petit Le Mans race that I went to in 08. But uh, yeah, Andretti Autosports looking, and they of course they got their Formula One ambitions. They they've announced so Andretti Autosport is building a brand new facility in Indianapolis, and the goal is is to have Wayne Taylor's outfit run out of that entire. I guess it's a gigantic facility going up. So we're going to find out more about that. Square feet or something. Yeah, <clears throat> and so they're going to yeah. run all these programs out of that one building. So. That that LMP3 Andretti entry is interesting. Um, it's it is they are definitely getting dipping their toe in the water. I'm not sure how serious that one is. Is that's going to evolve to run the, the factory team? So, uh, but yeah, the good news is that Andretti has stated intentions. They're coming, in one way or another. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the LMP2 cars. Uh, for me, I was looking at the number 18 Era Motorsport <clears throat> with Ollie Jarvis and Dwight Merriman. Yeah, um, Paul Loop Chatain. Yeah. And and is it Ryan DL? I think so. Yeah. Um they they that that to me um is is seeing seeing uh Ollie and and Dwight in that car is, is something that I think is gonna be a big um <clears throat> a big uh hurdle for, for some of these other guys to get back into. Joao Barbosa is back as well. After yep. I think he basically got fired from the wheel and engineering car um that seemed a lot more dirty than um they let on in the broadcast and stuff <clears throat> and then for me ben keating he's like the last true american hero because that man has driven everything yeah in sports car racing so i'm he's, looking at the lmp2 class yeah he's the best bronze in the world ben keating as far as speed goes and he, and, and all the bronzes aspire <clears throat> to be like him i've noticed yeah, absolutely. It's that that class to me looks like it's going to be the most fun um, that it's been in a while. LMP two, yeah. There's ten cars, Alex. Right? Yeah. We got oh. ten LMP twos, and if you look into it, I mean, all uh, every team's very experienced. You have a lot of European teams. You mentioned earlier about the crossover Europeans. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of them are here in in the LMP2 class. Algrave Pro Racing, um, which is the, running the CrowdStrike operation. Um, you have you have the TDS Racing team. Um, they're Mikkel Jensen, who was quick last year. Uh, Stephen Thomas, Renus VK, an IndyCar driver. Scott Huffinger, um, a very fast silver driver. Um, they're going to be in the hunt. They got two cars, and they're 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 experienced. This isn't their first go around to Daytona. They were here last year. You got high class racing too. Also, Dennis Anderson, Ed Jones, an IndyCar regular, and Anderson Forback, a, a fairly fast bronze driver. Um, they're going to be, you know, they're going to rely on a lot of their WEC experience in the long distance races. And then, of course, you got Rick Ware Racing, a NASCAR team that seems to have branched into every every <laughs> yeah. form. 
and including yeah. IndyCar and evident here in their MSL. He's Super got a Supercross. Right. He's got a Supercross rider this year too. It's, it's wild. <clears throat> that man he's, loves racing. He bought into an NHRA team as well. So he's got yeah. everything now. Yeah, ever, officially everything. <sighs> he's and, he's going to own the whole world of motorsports here shortly. Mm -hmm. And he, you can um, find him here in this LMP too. So there's some high class, world class teams. I said high class racing, world class teams in this in LMP two going for the, oh, going for the LMP two class win at Daytona, and uh, it's it's a it's a one off event. It's not in the LMP two points championship in IMSA. So uh, yeah, we're gonna see we're gonna see some close racing. There's some talks if Hypercar has some of their issues, LMP two LMP two team could emerge to win, but. I, I really, if I'm going to put my money on, I'm going to say a hypercar team will win. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into that when we talk about the GTP class itself. Yeah. Um, because I've got some things to say about that. But I think let's go ahead and, 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 and get with uh, GT Daytona. Um, first off and foremost, uh, Mercedes uh, dominated qualifying. Uh, they qualified on Paul in both um, GTD and GTD Pro. Um, yep. Weather WeatherTech Racing taking the GTD Pro uh, Series. Uh, both drivers uh, that qualified in in the 79 and the 57 were like, "Yeah, this doesn't matter. Uh, we've got a 24-hour race to go." So, despite uh, Mercedes being fast on the time clock, do you see them being um, a 24-hour threat, or is or is or is that just them being bashful uh, in, in Victory Circle on Saturday? They're gonna be a they're gonna be a threat for sure. They're gonna be a threat in pro and and GT Daytona just by numbers in GT Daytona. But uh, yeah, um, every year it seems like there's always a car that has a little upper edge coming out of the roar. This year, you could argue it's well for one. The only, let me backtrack a little bit. That that single McLaren that we have ran a very quick lap in one of the sessions, and it was. I need to look at the combined results, but I'm pretty sure it put them number one out of so there's there's a McLaren in there Alex, that is fast on one lap. That would uh that's probably the number seventy Inception Racing. It, seventy uh, Inception McLaren. Racing McLaren, yes. Yeah. They won the pole at Mid Ohio last year. Wow, that's so cool. And there was two McLarens last year. This year we got the one there. They got experience running in Asia in the Asian Le Mans series. And uh and then you know, I mentioned the Porsches, but the the the, there's seven Porsches in the field, one pro, and uh, the, they feel that they're at a disadvantage. They've been very vocal about that and the BOP stance. So we're going to find out about the GC Daytona. Uh, Daytona has a known history of being being uh, gentle with the Porsche rate, Porsche cars. You want to be in a Porsche at Daytona. This year it sounds like a little different in the Rolex. Well, all of those cars are brand new, aren't they? They're the, they are, the yeah. New, they're the new 919 platform, I think. Yeah, nine nine three, and they even nine, have, nine, three. they even have a two, the Ferrari's brand new, the two ninety six Ferrari, the uh, the the Lambo has an Evo package, an upgrade yeah. kit. Same with their Mercedes. So, and uh, the BMWs, you got Paul Miller Racing and the number one BMW. This they missed the Rolex last year, if you remember. Um, they were waiting on their brand new BMW GT three car to come in, and they and they were delayed. <laughs> um, they did not. The factory team had it, but not them. So. So they're here this year that and they're a threat to win with Madison Snow and and their team. 
and uh, D- Turner, Turner BMW, they will be a threat also. There's two, two strong BMWs, Alex. If, if Mercedes doesn't win, maybe the gradient racing team, if they don't win in GT Daytona, I would I would definitely call on those, one of those two BMWs to be right up there. Turner always seems to get it together, no matter how good or bad of a roar they had. They always seem yeah. to make it overnight and, and run up front. Yeah, well, if they're going to do that um... – they're going to have to go through a large field. It's something like 33 total of, of both, both uh, pro and am series. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, I think some of the biggest, the biggest things that I'm looking at um, is um, we have an all female cast. And the uh, Iron Links Ferrari, yeah. The Iron Dames Ferrari. Yeah. They changed their, their their name from Iron Links to Iron Dames for obvious reasons. Um, or Lamborghini. I don't know why I said Ferrari. <clears throat> so I'm looking at uh, at that at to be something very interesting going forward because the Iron Links um, uh, team, like you said earlier, is going to uh, the hypercar class next year. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they're going to also take the all-female team as well. Uh, drivers are Rachel Frey, uh, Sarah Bovoy, Michelle Gadding, and Durant, uh, Duran Penn. I've never heard of any of these people. Um, okay. And I'll say that um, as, as someone who doesn't really watch sports car racing, when I think of sports car racing, I think of Catherine Leggy, who's um, wonderful when it comes to female motorsports drivers. Yeah, and the Iron Lynx <clears throat> team, I would say <clears> – <throat> Uh, for in my opinion, that Dorian Penn is the fastest of the four. She has been on it. She's even got an LMP2 test lined up for her okay. uh, later this year in WEC. So, and and you know they had they ran they ran um, European Le Mans series uh, and WEC, and they did get a win at the last race in the in the European Le Mans series with the Stout competition. They were driving okay. a Ferrari. Uh, they got and leading up to that win, which was the season finale. They got a couple of podium finishes for, leading up into that. So this this quartet of female drivers will be, um, well, for one, they're they're going to be a threat to the class win, in my opinion, because of their experience and success they had last year, and they're just continuing that on with a Lamborghini, which is totally different than what they've raced last year. They ran the Ferraris last year. A very interesting tidbit is this quartet, these four female drivers, they did not even get to drive their new Lambo until the roar. There was wow. no there was no shakedown. There was no preseason tests for them until they got to the roar. So there was a lot of getting up to speed. Um, hopefully that them being in the same team and the same driving pairings um, should help them transition to the Lambo. So there is a challenge with the new car for them, but I want to say um, – I'm looking forward to seeing how well they do. This isn't the yeah. first female team <clears throat> taking a stab at Daytona. So all female team. We remember Catherine was involved in another one with, with a Bia Figueroa, the Brazilian IndyCar driver. Uh, they ran Acura a couple of years back in a program, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, Iron Lynx, they're an ambi- a very ambitious team. They got one Lambeau and pro. They got two in GT Daytona. And uh, yeah, they and they got Roman Groschen driving with their, their pro Lambo, their former ex Formula One driver. So you will see them uh, run that LMDH Lambo program next year. They've already got the contract. They've already won the bid. So they're using all this experience running GT cars here at Daytona. They're going to apply it next year for sure. 
Yeah, and there's so many. Like we could probably spend all night talking about some of these oh, different storylines. I'm I'm scrolling up and down, looking at at the uh, driver lineups and everything. I'm seeing I'm seeing uh, you know people I know like Harry Ticknell, uh, Loris Spinelli, and all these other drivers that are that are really well known. <clears throat> um, even even to the NASCAR guys, you've got the oh, yeah. 75 DTD um, uh, of Kenny Habul, who uh, Sun Energy One was a sponsor of <clears throat> many NASCAR drivers earlier on. Yeah. Um, and then you've got a bunch of IndyCar drivers as well. Uh, Joseph Newgarden and uh, uh, Scott McLaughlin are in LMP2, I believe. Um, yep. And then and then Colton Herta is is double dipping for both uh, BMW, Ray Hall, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Lanigan, uh Cars. He'll be he'll be filling in two hours minimum for each the twenty four and the twenty five cars in GTP. So that's the, interesting. That means, <clears throat> I, I'm pretty sure if you run the numbers, Alex, it's it's well over three quarters of the IndyCar driver field is in the Rolex twenty four hours. It's amazing. Yeah, including Newgarden's first attempts, Scott McLaughlin, and Newgarden's tried to. In fact, on that podcast with Marshall Bruett. And Graham Goodwin, uh, they've talked about Newgarden in 2014, 2015, carrying a helmet and a driver's suit around the floor, trying to land an IMSA ride, and he didn't get one. In a, How in could a you do that? He's a two-time Indy championship. I know. And they, they, <clears throat> you can track back to 2014 and 2015 of him scouring the IMSA paddock for a ride. I mean, it's a, it's amazing. So he finally finally made the deal happen this yeah. year. And, uh, and, and there's a lot of uh, speculation that Newgarden's getting – his toes wet in prototypes for dipping his toes in the water to go hypercar racing in the near future. Awesome. That would be mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Um, so before we move to GTP, which we're going to go through every single car, cause there's only uh, nine of them. Nine. Um, <clears throat> is there anybody in GTD, uh, that you want to, 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 to focus on, um, before we move up? I know I'd like to, to get in GTD pro talk a little bit about the nine car. Plath Racing. <clears throat> yep, and and I want to say uh, the one is the Aston Martins. Um, you know, we were talking about earlier. I don't want to don't want to leave them out by mistake because they were they were at top of a lot of the sessions. They have um, the harder racing team. They have one car each in Pro and and mm-hmm. Am um, GT Daytona, and, and then they've got Magnus Racing coming over as well, and that's yep. a. That's a uh, European <clears throat> conglomerate when it comes to that. Andy Lally returning um, to race in that Magnus racing car. And then one of the fan favorite drivers for GT racing in the world, Nikki Tim, uh, is yes. also heading heading that car as well. So they've got they've got what four cars uh, this year? Two and in- like we look at I, I got to pull up the list <clears throat> for myself, Alex, but you think I have it memorized by now as many times as I've looked at it. But. <laughs> I think there's two harder racing cars. There's the Magnus racing car, and then there's one other GTD Pro. Uh, yeah, and they're and they if you look at their drivers, they're silvers and bronze rated drivers. They really technically should be in GTD, but TGM, they're TF Sport. That's the yeah, other. but they, you know, their Owen Trinkler, their silver rated driver, did turn some pretty quick laps up and quick enough in some sessions to be in the top two or three. So that's kind of neat. And yeah, you got that, that. That what was that team's name? There's two harder racings. A Magnus racing is the Magnus, other. and that fourth one. 
that 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 was that was it. Those are the okay. four. Okay. And uh, yeah, so there's def there's and there's two in the pro, two in the in the AM, and I throughout the <clears> Mercedes, <throat> I would see some Astons up in the top five splitting some of those Mercedes. So we'll see how well they do. That harder racing had a really good championship run last year. So we're going to get to see if they win a Daytona Rolex. Yeah. And it's going to be exciting. There's a lot of cars. There's a lot of good drivers. This is the most excited I've been for uh, Rolex in, in quite a long time. Um, oh yeah. <clears throat> mostly just because of the top class, but <clears throat> that is what it is. Um, Faf uh, is reigning champions in GT Daytona pro. Yeah, and the They're class the last year. Yep. Yeah, and and they won this class last year. They're always going to be a threat. I'm looking forward to see what they can do. Uh, they are a privateer team, so that's <clears throat> that's always and, interesting and they, to watch. And they looked strongly at hypercar. <clears throat> they looked strongly at at graduating to the hypercar class, Alex, and getting one of those Porsche 963s, those brand new ones. Well, maybe they, next year we'll see if they become a customer team. But yeah, look at the drivers. I mean. They are definitely yeah. going to be leading some laps at the Rolex, and yeah, uh, you know, I keep I keep on hearing about the BOP being a little low. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see. I'm hoping as a Corvette fan we see something this year, but uh, I don't know. Since they since they nerfed the the GTE class and and that car, I don't think we're gonna see anything till 2024. So I won't even talk about the uh, lineup on the number three Corvette. <clears throat> Let's get into the top class then. That's the last thing that we have to do before yep. we've given everybody uh, a look into what's going to happen this weekend. Uh, we can start from <clears throat> the bottom of the list that we I gave you, and that starts yeah. right off with the fastest number 60 uh, Meyer Shank racing <clears throat> car, that yeah. Acura. Um, we saw Acura uh, win the championship last year. Uh, thought that this kind of – would kind of stifle them a little bit with with the move to hypercar after seeing testing <clears throat> struggles over the off season, but they came right out on top and, and and took pole. They did, and Tom Blomquist was the driver to do it, and he has BMW factory experience to draw up on. Uh, he he won a, one or two poles last year in DPI, and. Um, Elio, as we know, is Indy 500 winner last year and is loyal to Michael Shank Racing. And uh, Simone Pagan, I mean, two Indy 500 winners in your car. Tom Blomquist, like we spoke about. And Colin Braun, who is moving uh, over from LMP3 class yep. with Core, Core Autosport was, was the team he drove for. They have since folded. On a, and, and Colin's got himself a nice, secure ride with Meyer Shank Racing. And, and that accurate. And he, and he definitely deserves that. to be up there because he has been one of the best drivers <clears throat> in LMP3 for the last few years. <clears throat> no, oh, yeah. And he gets credit for driver coach as a, as a driver coach for a lot of these. But the stakes are high for Colin this year. He is back into the GTP class. He's ran, He's got plenty of Daytona prototype experience to draw upon um, in, in the past. He's got LMP2 experience from the, from the Orca so uh, that he ran with Core Autosport in, in seasons past. So you're going to see Colin be just fine in that in that trio, along with Tom, Elio, and Simone. And then you got the Cadillacs, which are um, uh, at the Roar. They actually had, all three of them actually had, uh, was, were witnessed to be sparking 
Um, a lot of the engineers didn't really comment a whole lot on that reason. Some of them were speculating those tire pressures were low. The geometry of the Cadillacs are still being developed, are still coming into play as the or as the new life of the car is being born. And we're getting to see that uh, that in right in front of us with how low the cars were running. So you had the 31 people, Durrani, Alexander Sims, and a British driver, Jack Aiken, and running that, running that the wheel and engineering car for Cadillac. Yeah, and then, and then you mm -hmm. got Chip Ganassi racing, of course. Um, where where one of those cars, one of those Cadillacs, the O2 is technically their WEC race. So this is a one-off they're not running for the IMSA championship. Earl Bamber, <clears throat> Alex Lynn, Richard Westbrook, Richard has previous experience with Ganassi by being a Ford GT driver. Uh, and then uh, Alex Lenz, he's ran in DPI with Wayne Taylor Racing. And Earl Bamber, we know he's got experience in the Porsche 919 LMP1 uh, days. So those are some stout drivers that Ganassi has hired to run those. And their O2. other car is not, is not a slouch either. Sebastian <laughs> Bourdais dominated pole yep. sitting last year. Um, Rieger van der Zanda is synonymous with sports car racing and scott dixon is multi-time indy 500 and indy car champion so two indy car legends <clears throat> and some Gordays and dixon and then vanda zandy who's a who's a recent sports car ace has emerged yeah. and and they're going to be a threat to win um they got they got some miles in that cadillac you if you remember petite le mans they had a little incident where they took each other out at yeah. the very last hour of the race so you know, Mr. Ganassi wasn't too thrilled about that. I'm sure he's had some stern talks with his drivers, but they're ready to pounce at the Rolex. And and uh, they, those that blue and that yellow caddy, they look sharp. And, uh, and they're going to be, yeah, they're gonna be ooh, leading some I don't laps. know. I don't know, man. I don't like the liveries. I like the liveries from last year so much better. Sure. Those, I've always, those, yeah. Those, those primary color ones, I get where they're coming from. But mm. I'm, eh. And the well and the wheel and engineering cars just, it doesn't look right because there's no white on it. So. I don't know. No, I'm picky different. when it comes to paint schemes, but I will say this. If you're an American motorsports fan, you have three cars to watch and to root for because if if nothing else, these are the best sounding cars on the racetrack. I swear when they when they go out on the pit lane and <clears throat> switch from the uh, electric motor to the internal combustion engine, it makes me want to put jorts and cowboy boots on, run outside, and just shoot uh, 12 gauges from my hip. I mean, it's just, it just screams freedom. And that is interesting you mentioned that because we've seen a lot of clips online, haven't we, of the cars the, yeah. leaving. They sound like an RC car, don't they? An electric RC yeah. car. And that has been happening since 2015 with the Toyotas, with the Audis, with the uh, with um, the Toyotas, Audis, and the Porsche. So if you go back, there's video of them, of, but it's really gotten the attention lately of – of casual observers, American fans, even. Yeah, just they because of the Cadillac. They can't like, believe it's a sight to behold of a car quietly leaving the pits and then them dropping the clutch and the and the the car. It fires. sounds like a dragon. Like I'm not even gonna. It's just. Yeah. It's just it's it's, uh, it's amazing, and all the it's, cars do that, but the Cadillac just hits that note. Just, oh man. Every car is, I've seen do it, the BMW. And, and there was talk that EMS was going to put a regulation in that it needs to be mandatory, um, that the car must leave on electric power, must leave the pit stall on electric power. In fact, some of these hybrids and hypercars 
um, the rules say that they must be able to do a, a, a lap on pit road speed limiter around Le Mans, which is about eight and a half miles on the battery power or hybrid power only no internal combustion engine help on the battery power only. So well, that's, <clears throat> that's there good. was talk. was going to implement that here that, but with the early life of the car, the early days of life of the car that haven't implemented it yet, they might have to homologate that, um, in the rules. But yeah, we're going to, we're going to see, uh, it's really cool to see people comment and, and the reaction to the cars leaving pit road when really it's been happening since 2015. Um, when the WEC cars was, so they've adopted that here in IMSA now with these new rules. Yeah. yeah. Well, moving on uh, to some more people on the, uh, running list, we've got, um, <clears throat> Ray Hall, uh, Letterman Lanigan or Lanigan Letterman, however that is, uh, yep. BMW team. They're pushing a hybrid V8 as well. Um, they are two cars, uh, 25 and 24 car, Philippine, Augusto Farfus, Marco Whitman, and then Connor oh. DeFilippi, uh, Nick Yaloli. Yeah, he's a, he's a uh, new Sheldon he's a new factory driver. He just got his, his contract. Sheldon Vanderlinde, um, yeah. and and of course Colton that you mentioned is yeah. moonlighting between each car. Mm -hmm. So that those those guys are looking good. Those cars look really good. Those are the ones that iRacing has on. So if you raced this past weekend on the virtual uh, Daytona 24, you're probably really familiar with those cars um, yeah of course second acura wayne taylor racing uh ricky taylor as always philippe Albu albuquerque moves over to that team uh louis delatraz uh or luis delatraz and then brendan hartley formula f1 driver um so that's a stacked field as well they've got the andretti indycar engineers and stuff uh down there with them now so that's going to be interesting um, yeah, and, then, and, and I've even heard that Ricky's in line to get an IndyCar test <clears throat> with Andretti Autosport through this new partnership with Wayne Taylor. Okay, well, that's going to be cool. We could probably see him run an Indy 500 then. And I think Ricky's already sampled an uh, IndyCar in his, in his career at Sebring a couple of years back. I'm not sure if that was through Andretti <clears throat> Autosport or not, but we need to look back into that, Alex. But, hey, I tell you, Brennan Hartley is the Porsche LMP1 ace. Um Toyota factory driver also currently you have Luis Delatraz <laughs> who is very fast LMP2 champion in, in European Le Mans series this past year and um, he's an up-and-coming driver Luis Delatraz of uh, rated gold and I tell you he's uh, he's also linked up with an LMP2 team he's got a, himself a little MSA LMP2 program later in the year after his Rolex okay. commitments here but hey he's getting He's getting seat time in a GTP hypercar. That's good for him in his career. Felipe Albuquerque, what else could you say about him? Um, United Autosports, LMP2 ace, going back and forth between Wayne Taylor and that LMP2 program's extremely talented Portuguese driver. One of the fastest in the world. Won the Rolex before in his first attempt in, 24, in uh, 2013, I believe, in an Audi GT car. So I tell you, uh, they're going to be up front. They're going to be uh, – they they were quickest in some sessions this past weekend at the Roar, and it looks <clears> like the Acura <throat> is the quickest car out of the hypercars. Yep. So we're going to get to see uh, Wayne and, and Michael Shane go at it in the same car. Yeah, and then all that's left is the two Porsches, the number six and number seven. We talked about Nick Tandy yeah. getting into the barriers and kind of ruining the front face y'all on that. 
<clears throat> number six uh, in qualifying, but mm-hmm. he's he's uh, he's joined by Matthew Jimenez and Dane Cameron. That's a stacked lineup as well. Um, um, and if you go back, Matthew won um, in the Plaid Porsche last year, the Fath Porsche in GT Daytona. So he gets a promotion here as a Porsche factory driver to the hypercar program. And uh, you, you got Nick Tandy. Of course, we know he, he loves NASCAR. Um, he loves he love he wants to make a NASCAR uh, appearance. Or Earl Bamber is also a, I think Earl Bamber, his teammate, um, New Zealand driver, got a one or two off race for Richard Childress Racing in an Xfinity car. And uh, you also have um, Dane Cameron that you mentioned. Dane has got a championship with Juan Pablo Montoya a couple of years ago in the Acura yep. Penske. So Penske took the last year off to develop this new car to help test it. And now they're locked and loaded with some familiar faces um, such as Dane Cameron. And, uh, you know, they're going to win a race or two this year and, and definitely laps in the Rolex next weekend. Yeah. And then the seven car uh, is Matt Campbell, Felipe Nasser, and Michael Christensen. I know this is a, technically the number two car, but I feel like this, this car just with Felipe Nasser behind the wheel could be a threat to win. Uh, this race for Penske and this car has the most testing time out of anybody. So if there's anybody that yeah. knows what's going to happen, if something goes wrong in the, in the twice round clock challenge, uh, it, it's definitely this Penske Porsche team. And they've actually done a 36 hour <clears throat> race at, or excuse me, it's test Alex at Sebring, yeah. the Penske team. And, and I know the BMW Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan team attempted a 24 hour test at Sebring, but aborted it because of uh, issues with the new car. So they were never able to complete one. Um, Acura never even got a chance to attempt a 24-hour test. They, they kind of planned on it, but they never actually got it done. And Cadillac Well, has, they wrecked both their cars at, at, at Road Atlanta in the, in the Petite and test last year as well. Yes, good good tidbit on that. Yes, that, that definitely set the program back, I'm sure, with the supply chain issues everybody's been mentioning. And uh, – and I, I'm not sure if Cadillac got a full 24-hour test in or not. I need to look that up, Alex. I haven't heard anything about it. Um, I would assume since I haven't heard that they did, but it's not. It wasn't productive. Okay. Because you you don't hear anything negative. I'm just assuming that it just happened. Right, and they got the benefit <clears throat> of two teams, Action Express and Ganassi, just right. like just like Acura does. But you know, Gas has got two yeah. cars. So they got the benefit then, of sharing information there, and and they do have a lot of mileage. Whether they got a full twenty four hour test in or not, they still have quite a bit of mileage, and so um, we're gonna get this. We're gonna get to see exactly how sorted out they are for next weekend. Yeah, well, that is that is basically everything you need to know about most of the guys and gals racing in the sixty one entries for this sixty first yeah. Rolex twenty four uh, twice around the clock. Uh, they'll get the white flag uh, within the last minute, and uh, we'll probably see anywhere between six and nine hundred laps, depending on safety cars and stuff like that. So I'm looking at the entry <clears throat> list, Alex. I'll point out a few things, a few cars that I feel are interesting that we just might have skipped over, because um, you do have so many cars, which is a good problem to have. Yeah, Satilla, the Ferraris. You know, Satilla Racing. They won Sebring last year. They're, they've ran in the WEC before. They've ran in the Rolex, even in LMP2 Galar, if you remember, a year or two ago. They, But Satilla Racing, they have a brand-new Ferrari ready to go. Um, Antonio Fuco, Alessandra Balzan, a lot of miles in Ferraris. 
uh, Giorgio Sharon Giotto, Italian. All four drivers are Italian, and they won Sebring in a pretty commanding fashion in GT Daytona last year. So we're going to get to see how they do together in the Rolex. I'm going to keep an eye on them. Well, let's see what else I got in here. AF Corsa, another Ferrari team in GT Daytona, well-known name. Um, Francisco Castelletti, he's an Italian, a silver-rated driver. Luis Perez Compact, they're, they're bronze. And uh, Matt Miguel Molina, who's arguably one of the fastest Ferrari drivers in the world, they're going to be in the hunt. There's just so many of them. Uh, Wright Motorsports, a, a Porsche team that's got a lot of experience that I keep on reiterating that they're, they feel that they're down on BOP. So those are just some of the teams that, you know, I could take a look at and see. And of course, yeah, your son won energy Mercedes. They, they if you remember Alex, the, the Rolex IMSA, they initially announced a 60 car entry and they added in that son one energy Mercedes Yeah. later, later on in the year. So. Yeah. Still- and uh, right next to them, the 77 volt car, uh, with Windward Racing, or not Windward Racing, Wright Motorsports, my bad. Um, that's another one of those Porsches. Uh, maybe not uh, too threatening uh, from from the driver's standpoint, but it's definitely one of the brightest cars on track. And yeah, has been a lot of focus for uh, images coming from fans on Instagram and uh, uh, Twitter and, and, and whatnot over the, the course of the Roar testing. <clears throat> yeah, so that's a very pretty car. And the, the iron, the iron dames, the iron links. I've seen like touching on that. I've seen a lot of pictures of them too, by being how bright they are. So yeah. love, love the day glow colors, the, the bright neon colors. Yeah. Well, um, that- and last, last but not least, I want to mention the Lexus team. Um, they have a pro and a GT Daytona car, very experienced uh, squad and uh, they're ready to win. I mean, they're ready to win right now. They, they were also up in the top three, top five in the, some of the Roar test results, and they have a very um, unchanged lineup in each yeah. each car. And that's so a fully committed. That's a fully committed program too. Oh when yeah, all year. GT Daytona doesn't race, and the pros race. They put their number fourteen car into those races. When the yes. GT Daytona pros don't race, but the GT Daytonas do, they put the pro car in the Daytona race. Uh, so. So that that that's a fully committed team over there with Lexus, um, and that is that's a Toyota team. So maybe Toyota Gazoo Racing comes over as a a, a Lexus brand uh, in a hypercar. I don't. And that's know. interesting for next year if they, if Lexus or Toyota if they paid the the sanctioning fee to IMSA, which was like I said rumored to be a million dollars. Um, yeah, because I could see Toyota running the Rolex next year and going against all these uh, Cadillacs and Porsches and. Man, that's great. So we're going to it would be it would be perfect to watch them say, "All right, well, we're going to come beat you, American a holes, on your own, you know, turf." Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, and we're going to get to see it at Sebring real soon in, in a couple months. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. This this new golden era of sports car racing is phenomenal. It's it's around the world of motorsports as well. You know, we've got. We've got the new Formula One cars and the new NASCARs last year. The yeah. new Indy cars potentially coming in 2024. Um, the new supercars this year. They make it look easy, don't they? Mm. All these motorsports sanctioning bodies, they, they're making it look easy right now, but we, we yeah. know it's not easy. It takes years of planning and development and deals and sponsorship and uh, 
contract negotiations. I mean, it is not simple to, to get in. And we're living definitely in a golden golden air, as a lot of people are yeah. saying, especially for IMSA, especially for WAC WEC. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's something to be seen for every NASCAR, um, yeah. formula one, like you touched on Alex is something for everybody. So yeah. I'll be, yeah. And I'll if be, you're a racing fan, I know most of our guys watch mm. NASCAR yeah. Tune in this weekend. It's around the clock on Peacock. They're going to have they CNBC. Think, they're yeah. going to have, uh, NBC and USA all, all showing various parts of the race. Um, if you, uh, don't live in the U.S. or you can make yourself not live in the U.S. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh, grab yourself a v- VPN. Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, and go watch on IMSA TV, uh, commercial free with the Radio Lamar guys. Uh, Jeremy Shaw and and them have way better broadcasting than yeah. NBC ever could. So yeah, um, this is the time to get into sports car racing if you are looking to branch out your motorsports. Um, that's right, Alex. That's <clears throat> right. And, and, and this race coming up here this weekend is, is a prime example. And, and, uh, you know, just keep an eye on, just keep it 24 hours in the Peacock channel is going to be pretty exciting. I remember in the early speed vision days, uh, the first time they had did the whole race on speed vision was, was pretty yeah. exciting, pretty crazy. <clears throat> They try to broadcast it, something for twenty. It's wild hours. as a kid having to having to watch on Speed Channel and stuff with 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 commercials and not being able to see the whole entire race because you've got to stop for Supercross or 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 some other show that they're putting on and 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 now you can just hop on your computer and watch twenty four hours straight, no interruptions. Um, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it this weekend. We're gonna be we're gonna be um, making some wings for 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 the start of the show. Uh, making some uh, some cheap meat, some having some get good, your dad in nice, there. Yeah, uh, he's get get him some and that. He needs some a oh. little more yeah. AMSA action. So get him in yeah. there, and he'll he'll watch too. Yeah, and uh, uh, you guys are going to be in the RV, so y'all be right there at the track. I'm sure yeah, y'all feel got free to watch. buzz in and <clears throat> feel free to buzz in, and I'll see if I can get you some footage on where we're at. We're right outside of turn six, so the cars are are entering back onto NASCAR track turn one that is prime location in my opinion so i remember when we went down for 2020 we walked all over the racetrack and and being in the infield uh was was really cool just being right beside the action and then being able to go out into the stands and watch the entire racetrack at once is something you can't get anywhere else in road course racing so no you can see the whole track to the rolex make a trip that's right all right. Well, it's been fun, Kyle. I really appreciate you coming in and helping me break down uh, yeah, this anytime, Rolex. Alex. Anytime, Alex. Anytime. You know, I wish we had more time. You know, yeah. we, like I, like you said earlier, we'll be here all night talking about every entry. There's a storyline behind every entry, all 61 of them, and then some. And then each driver in each car, there's three to four drivers per car. Well over 100 drivers racing this weekend. Yeah. Um, and then we also got to, to to hear your story, you know, a little bit about. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you guys uh, asking fun. about that. And 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 it, I remember some days in middle school, I would literally sneak out of class, take take the local bus, uh, city bus down to the Daytona Speedway, catch Bud Shootout practice, catch ARCA qualifying, catch Goody's Dash Series qualifying and make my way back home. And I'll be home for dinner. And my parents never knew. Knew a thing. Uh, well, <laughs> they know now. So yeah, they know now. Uh, yeah, and and I and so that sticks with me, and and I'll, I want to change it for a darn for a thing. That's right. All right. Well, uh, like I said, we appreciate you having it. Any um 
any plugs you want to give before we we call it a night? Yeah, I just want to say uh, you know thanks to you and your dad, and y- you know you guys have been uh, been great. You know your dad's love for dirt racing has rubbed off on me, yeah. and uh, and. And, and all you other fans that are out there, just keep on keeping on. Keep an eye on these. There's a lot of really cool things happening right now in racing. And, uh, you know, we're glad to be able to witness it. And just keep your attention on, on IMSA and NASCAR and, and the WEC and European Le Mans Series and iRacing. And we're living in some good times right now, Alex. I appreciate the time. Yeah, well, we appreciate you coming on. As always, guys, you can... Follow us on all our socials at FanFuelMSM right there on the screen. Capital F, capital F, capital MSM. Uh, lowercase on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, and we do have TikToks coming on. Uh, and that <clears throat> that will be coming back now that I'm not hoarse like I have been the last couple of weeks. So we'll see you uh, next week. And we appreciate you stopping in tonight. Um, all right. Bye.